This is Viterbi Voices, the podcast, your chance to hear stories about research, classes, student life, and more directly from our faculty, students, and other members of the engineering community here at the University of Southern California. This is episode 63, featuring Cybersecurity and Forensics Club here at USC. Tune in for an eye-opening conversation about internet security, data breaches, and some best practices for maintaining privacy in an ever more connected world. Welcome back into Viterbi Voices. This is episode... 63. 63. Uh, Well, who am I? Well, my name is Paula Desma. I'm the Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And my name is Rhea Chowdhury. I'm a junior studying biomedical engineering here with a minor in healthcare studies. And... Here we are. <laughs> so, I, thought, I thought you had more. Like, it sounded like you were about to say more. Yeah. I'm like, and? And? Tell me more. Well, uh, yeah, we are your hosts here for Viterbi Voices. Uh, we are obviously in the midst of our recruiting season for admission purposes. There's lots of stuff happening. I know, Rhea, you're like halfway through your semester. There's lots of mm-hmm. stuff happening there. Mm-hmm. And we can talk get some updates in a second. But this episode is all about the cybersecurity organization. What's the, They have a full name? What's the they name? have a full name, uh, USC Cybersecurity and Forensics Organization. Okay, cool. And so these are, this is three different students, Cameron, uh, Kate, and Iman, mm-hmm. and they are just fully involved in cybersecurity and forensics, not only taking classes, getting certificates, uh, pursuing the minor, um, but also just getting engaged in the profession, and all of them are going to be going into the profession of cybersecurity. And we had a whole talk about I think just the current landscape of it, uh, why they got interested in it, how it can work or uh, with computer science, or even if you're not into computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any interest in, in security, forensics, or like anything related to computers right now, this is a fascinating conversation. Oh, absolutely. And if, honestly, if you have any device at all, if you have a phone, if you have a computer, I would yeah. honestly listen to this even if you don't have any, Yeah, even <laughs> if you don't have any, any interest in it or whatever, how to protect yourself is probably yeah. what we should call this, because this was just like... Yeah. This was eye-opening. This is the sure. second episode we've done on cybersecurity. If people haven't listened to it, they should go back to the first season where we have Joe Greenfield. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one was scarier because we did cover some of the same ground, but basically in two years the same problems exist, obviously, yeah. and and it's just it's just a big deal. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think my favorite part of this conversation was the tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so toward the end of it, we talked about like just some basic tips that people couldn't yeah. – and keep in mind and some stuff that we had never discussed before. I don't know, what what, what do you think about what just happened? Yeah, um, I think, well, one of the interesting things to me, the best tips and best practices I think are super important, and yeah. I think they're really easy and things that we don't really think about. And even as engineers, like, studying using computers all the time, like, I definitely still put the same password on all my stuff, which I'm going to have to go back and change right after. Especially now this. that you just announced it to the world. Yeah, I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't hack. <laughs> but um, I think the coolest part of this conversation for me was really seeing seeing where this field is going and how it's continuously growing and how people involved are um, really appreciative of how they're constantly learning and how the field of security is getting ever more complex. And with the Internet of Things and everything being more connected on on integrated networks, um, that also becomes a security liability. And I think that was really interesting. Yeah, the more conveniences we get in this world because of technology is Mm -hmm. the more vulnerable we become to these types of issues Um, and every single day uh, something else gets cooler which means it gets much more vulnerable Mm -hmm. for our data and our security as we move forward so it's definitely something to to keep in mind and I was I just kept thinking about all my devices like while we were talking about this I'm like okay my phone my iPad my computer my laptop my 
Oh, geez. Yeah. So, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't want to give it away, but there was one one point when they were saying there's this Google timeline oh, that yeah. tracks everything you're doing. I forgot about that. Yeah. I need to go look at that. I need to go fix that. I had no idea that was even that it even existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go look at that now. Mm-hmm. God, there's so many. Now, I, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about the intro anymore. I just want to go, like, check a bunch of my settings. Um, but we'll get to them in a second. Right now, as far as recruitment goes, um, we are, you know, rolling right along. Uh, if you have not had a chance to visit campus and you want to do so, November 11th is the day that you should do it. Saturday, November 11th, it's a Veterans Day weekend. We have our big open house called Discover USC. It's a university-wide open house. And as part of that open house, we have a program called Viterbi Expo. And the Viterbi Expo is going to have lab tours and faculty giving sessions and students uh, talking about their organizations. Um, I don't know, maybe they'll be there. Right, we should probably check that before we started recording. Um, and uh, a lot of different things about the admission process and just seeing this whole school uh, to get a good sense of about whether it's a place you want to apply to or not. So Saturday, November 11th, the website that you should check out, as always, is viterbiadmission.usc.edu slash expo. And that will give you uh, all the information that you need for the Viterbi Expo. Uh, anything else going on in your world? I mean, the Viterbi Career Fair was just yesterday. Oh, how'd it go? It was really good. It was yeah. really, really good. There was a lot of really awesome companies and recruiters. And actually, I got to meet one of the returning BSAs who was here representing Accenture, Lissa. Lissa? Yeah. You, you ever met Lissa? Yeah. No, I hadn't met her before because she graduated. Was she before your time? Yeah, she graduated oh. the year I entered USC. Oh, I didn't know so that. So we, we got to talk a lot about being a BSA and how that prepped her for consulting and all sorts of stuff. Cool. So yeah, I saw her great. yesterday. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> I, I always forget who doesn't know each other because yeah. it's all just the same. You guys just all. <laughs> we just we're, cycle through. You cycle through, but I, yeah, Lissa was really cool. Yeah, it That's was great. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you're looking at Accenture? Yeah, I am looking at Accenture. I'm kind of torn between consulting, like healthcare consulting, or biomed, specifically industry. So uh-huh. I also talked to Bethany about Abbott and uh-huh. from there. So I'm, I'm really keeping all of my options open right now. Okay, cool. Still looking at pre-med as well. Just So you haven't, you don't have any idea what you want to do. <laughs> Decision making is pretty hard, but the cool thing about BME is you can go so many different directions. Yeah. And all, all I know... All I knew coming into college was that I wanted to be in the healthcare industry and make an impact in healthcare. And whether that's There's a lot of ways to do that. Yeah, whether that's device development or healthcare consulting or just being with patients as a physician. Um, all of those things sound really interesting to me and I just want to learn more about yeah. what I can. You just reminded me I have to go pick up my prescription from the pharmacy. <laughs> I, forgot Definitely do that. I forgot yesterday. <laughs> and I better go get it today. Sorry. It's quick. My mind's been all over the place lately. Um, okay. Well, that's cool. Good luck. Yeah, uh, that, that's a. That's a hard decision to make. I mean, and also realize, I mean, I tell prospective students all the time, but I'll tell you the same thing, is that your first job is not your last job. And um, the other thing about consulting, which maybe Lisa might tell you, is that you can only do consulting when you're young. Yeah, it's uh, pretty exhausting. <laughs> Lisa's been traveling all over the world. She's been everywhere. Insane. I've seen, I follow her on Instagram, and it's like, where the hell are you now? Like, you're in India. She's in India, she's in Poland, she's like... She's all over. Yeah. It's really cool. So, cool. Did you go to Vine last night? Yeah, I did. That so, was also really cool. Yeah, Vine yeah. is an acronym for the Viterbi Industry Networking Event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what happened there? So that one was awesome because that was a little bit more informal. So the yeah. career fair can be overwhelming because there's that one is Like lines, handy resumes, lines, meeting people. Yeah, shaking, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then sometimes it can feel like an interview on the spot. Whereas mm-hmm. Vine, you're just kind of walking up to these like cocktail height tables and just chatting with recruiters and employees and it's it's very low key but you get a better idea of the company I think because you can just talk to people cool. like over food yeah. which I think just makes it 
automatically more it casual. Totally does. It totally does. Yeah. It totally does. So it it went really well. Um, I actually got good news from Abbott, so I got a first round interview in a couple of weeks, which is gonna be cool. Great. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Very cool. Yeah, you have to yeah. keep everyone, all of us. Uh, yeah. The rest of the situation, let us know what's happening. <laughs> this will also know. be a podcast about my career path. <laughs> every every host, it is a career path yeah. like uh, journey as we go through every <laughs> single year. So we, we did that in the last two as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get out of the way and hand it over to Cameron and Kate and Iman to talk about cybersecurity and forensics and all of their work as students. Yeah. Let's get right in. Yeah, so uh, I'm Cameron Chilson. I'm a junior who's a computer science major and with a minor in applied computer security. And I'm from uh, New Jersey. Uh, hi, I'm Kate Livingston. I'm a junior studying computer science with a specialization in digital forensics, and I'm from Seattle, Washington. Hi, I'm Iman. I'm a senior studying chemical engineering with an emphasis in sustainable energy, and I'm doing the digital forensics minor. And I'm from Dhaka, Bangladesh. Very cool, very cool. Now, you guys are all here because uh, you're very involved in cybersecurity in, in one form or another, but part of also an organization, right? Yes. yes. So yes. what is that? We're the cybersecurity and forensics organization. Okay, cool. And tell us, what does that do? We represent all the cybersecurity and digital forensics students here in the ITP program on campus. Cool. And uh, what types of things do you, do you do throughout the year? Like... Yeah, so uh, right now, throughout the fall, the main thing we do is recruiting events. So we just finished hosting uh, was our eight, last, eight last companies. Eight? Yeah. Wow. And that was our last one, yeah. yeah. So we just recruiting companies, them. meaning like you're trying to get students recruited into right. full-time, full-time internships. That's awesome. Whatever companies are doing for them. Yeah. Eight yeah. companies, so you brought eight companies onto campus? Yeah, and brought like, eight companies this, just this fall semester. There's more that are interested in coming because cybersecurity is just a burgeoning field. Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't been able to schedule all of them this semester, so (laughs) we're actually just like trying to, thinking of doing like a cyber career fair next year for the new people that comes in. That's something they're going to consider. That's cool. So your guys' organization is more focused on just like uh, more like the development, the professional development in the future? Yeah, so that's that's mainly what we do fall semester. Uh, Spring is a little more Loose and freeform. We like to do uh, capture the flag events. So what that is, it's uh, and and that it's all with hacking though, right? Right. Okay. I, I thought you guys were running around because <laughs> I'm like I'm like play capture the flag, a little ultimate frisbee, you know, right, something yeah. like that. Maybe some soccer. Yeah. So what a hacking capture the flag event is? Uh, there's two types. There's one that's called Jeopardy style, where it's a bunch of different challenges and you get points for completing each challenge. And then there's one where it's. Uh, they essentially give you a network, and everyone tries to hack into the same network, and they throw a bunch of different computers up on it, and all the different teams compete each other to capture flags that are hidden on the computers. Well, that's cool. So, now, are you guys doing this just locally, or is this part of other competitions? Like Yeah, nations? part of other competitions. Uh, so we just finished one that uh, NYU runs one, and so we actually they do qualifiers in the fall, so we just finished those. And uh, during the spring, there's a lot of other smaller ones. They're over weekends, maybe one night. Uh, most of them are remote, so we can do them from here no matter where they're hosted. So let's back up a couple steps because it, just saying, yeah, it's capture the flag by hacking, like what does that actually mean? Like to help someone understand what, what are you actually doing and how does that actually work? What are some of the ways in which they're hiding flags? How are you hacking? What, what's the, what's the, what are the differences? Yeah, so um, for the Jeopardy one, a lot of different things. They might have uh, some type of application that's uh, vulnerable and you have to figure out how to break the application and find the flag in the application. They might uh, give you this... Uh, can you give us an example of how that's worked in the past? Yeah, so uh, they'll give us some type of application that you can host on your computer, 
and it'll have a port that's open, and you have to write a buffer overflow exploit to... Uh, oh, just one of those yeah. generic buffer overflow yeah, exploits. Just, just, just one of those. Yeah. <laughs> just one yeah, of it's, those, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not easy. It definitely requires some technical background. So here's, okay. here's, here's where I'm going to pa- stop you again. Yeah. you got to remember that a number of us, including right. myself, have no idea what you're talking about. So let's stop and give some definitions yeah. as we go. So, but I understand it's totally just routine yeah. to write a buffer overflow right. over... <laughs> what is it? What buffer? So buffer overflow, it's, it's, it's definitely... A, it's pretty complicated. Even just a BO. Explain. Just a real quick yeah, BO. Yeah. Just a, yeah. But basically, like there is uh, when someone's writing a program, they forget to put some safeguards in on how the memory works within the program. Okay. So you can pass in something, say, that's way too big of an input, and it'll actually write over the memory where that thing is supposed to be stored and allow you to call whatever code you want in the application. Okay. So you can basically write your own code and put it into this overflow, mm-hmm. and it'll execute whatever you wrote in there. Because it's just trying to do something, right. and you're giving it something to do. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. All right, cool. So, yeah, that's an example, and they might have, like, an encrypted message with their own form of encryption that you have to try and reverse engineer or break it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are mainly how Jeopardy-style ones work. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the other ones? Uh, you mentioned another one. The other one is just uh, the NYU one we hosted. Um, there's like They list a bunch of challenges under different topics, like network forensics, computer forensics, web apps. and then So they're all assigned different points. And you get to pick one, and you're, like, working teams trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So one is, like, suppose there's, like, a... Oh, so when you're using the Internet, the Internet traffic is routed through a port. It can be, like, 80443. Those are, like, the usual ones. But in a hackathon, let's capture the flag. They're unusual ones. So, like, you have to, like, use tools like Nmap and Metasploit to, like, figure out how to get in. And then, like, usually get a code saying, you found it, or, like, some weird phrase that you have to you find. And then you put it in, and they register you in the register your points so our team top top 10 percent in the u.s this wow. year under our undergraduate schools that's cool and it was the first time we were doing it so it's that's pretty good insane. that's awesome first yeah. time top 10 yeah that's, that's awesome how many people are in your organization i would say like six 50 to 60 that are active okay yeah but uh, yeah that, but like in the whole digital forensics and cybersecurity like minors there's at least like 100 to 120 yeah. any given semester we have a lot of people who will sign up and come to a few events every now and then but yeah. not everyone's super active so i would say yeah, yeah. 50 60 yeah. people who yeah. are pretty active and yeah come it's a pretty big pretty yeah. group yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty good size that's awesome now is is your organization did you all say you're all doing the minor in digital security and forensics or uh, yeah, sorry. so it mainly stems from two separate minors. Okay. There's the digital forensics minor, which I think you guys are both involved in. Yep. Right? Yep. And then I'm in the applied computer security minor. But yeah, the organization really stems from those two minors. And then even if you don't want to get the minor, you can get the specialization, which is just you take three courses and you get like a certificate from the ITP program, which says like you have fundamental knowledge in doing forensics or computer security. So that's mm-hmm. three classes you have hmm. to take. Okay. And what's the difference between the forensics part and the computer security part? Yeah, so... Do you want to do security? Uh, yeah, okay, so security is more of a preventative and offensive approach to security as a whole. So you want to look at, before an attack happens, look at a network and say, okay, what are some of the vulnerabilities here? What can we do to prevent attacks from happening? Mm-hmm. And then uh, companies will actually hire people to come in and say, all right, we think our networks are secure. Come and break into our networks. Right. So people actually go and try and break in. That's the computer security side mm-hmm. of things. So forensics is, I'll use an example. So suppose right now a big ride-sharing company and a big search engine giant, they're 
in a legal battle because one individual left the company with secrets on um, self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, to figure out what was stolen and what, what this person could have taken, you would hire like a forensic expert to go into a company. Obviously, you'd have to be issued a subpoena before and something. Sure. You'd go in, you'd image the computers, you'd take it into a lab, and you'd image it to see like what files were downloaded or emailed or like personal email or transferred using USB. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what you learn in forensics, like what someone has done on a computer and figuring it out. Like if they're trying to hide data, if they deleted stuff. Hmm. That's essentially what you would learn in forensics. Got it. Yeah. So, so forensics is more like after the attack happens. Yeah, like it's, it's more, more reactive, or, okay. whereas right. like security can also be reactive and proactive, but it's more like more preventative. Yeah. The forensic side could also do a smaller scope as well. You could have small little civil cases in terms of divorces or internal affairs within businesses, mm -hmm. or you can get large scale network breaches trying to figure out what yeah. happened. What's the typical? forensics use in a divorce that just automatically i'm like whoa i never thought about that we've had hey y'all sorry for the interruption but i wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now if you want to check out what campus is like if you want to learn more about the viterbi school of engineering go to viterbi.link slash visit that's v-i-t-e-r-b-i dot link slash visit where you can learn about our viterbi visit experiences that happen on most mondays wednesdays and fridays we have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional saturdays plus we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring we want to meet you we will have lots of opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit hope to see you soon we've talked a little bit about yeah so like suppose like any two partners you're going to use phones right mm -hmm. yeah and so we just recently heard about this one case where like one partner installed this buying software on the other because oh there was suspicious activity going on with the other partner so in this case, you're using the phone is an incidental of like whatever they're trying to prove, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you take in the so forensics like I, most people are thinking it's computers, but it, it any digital any device, digital evidence yeah. that could connect to the internet or is digital, like your your like Google Home or like anything, right? Mm -hmm. So like in this case, it's the phone. You take it, you'd image it, and you'd see what text messages were like transferred to prove like this person was doing something wow. that this person wasn't supposed to do. Same thing with like wow. a company, like you prove like this person was signed to someone. At, and an outside company like mm -hmm. sharing this information that this person wasn't supposed to. Hmm. Yeah. It's crazy how big of a scale digital forensics is getting into, especially like mm -hmm. car We're forensics, like yeah. being able to work on the computer of a car. Yeah, like yeah. especially because they all have almost all have GPS yeah. like, tracking mm -hmm. on them. Yeah, we also just recently had a workshop where like this forensics company came in and like gave a workshop on like social media forensics and like how mm -hmm. if you got a computer you could figure out anything about this person. So a lot of us like have Google accounts on our phones, and they have this thing called Timeline, which re records everything. Like you're sitting in this room, you parked there, and you just literally just go to Google Timeline, and you can just see what you've done in the past six years since you've had your Google account. Oh, this is on any, any like right now, any person can go to something called Google Timeline. Like you, you see your own personal data. Of like course, not anyone. Can not go anyone. See your personal data, but like unless you've disabled it, it's. Enabled by default. So, so I will disable. Wow. I need to disable. Yeah, I didn't even know that was <laughs> yeah. that existed. Yeah. That's crazy. So th those that are some insane. things that you use in forensic investigations to pinpoint saying this person was there at this point because wow. like you had your phone on you and like you were there, right? So it like even like records your parking spot, 
everything. Because you were driving at a certain point, yeah, and you got like, out and stopped. Yeah, like, and... measure, like, your speed decreased, you stopped here, you pull in here every day, and it can identify that you work here. So, like, if you went, went in, like, it all, like, sometimes they automatically, like, put in, like, where you work and your home is automatically. Right. Because, like, you're making that trip every, every day. day. Every week. Yeah. And so they also went over apps like Tinder, Skype, and, like, how, like, if you got someone's phone, you could, like, figure out. Like where their matches were. Not from Google Timeline, but you're saying that like if this is different. If like, yeah, a lot because a lot of apps store geodata on your on your personal device, right? Right. Because like most people just accept everything when they like when you install the app, right? Because you want to use location services yeah. to to do whatever yeah, action. Yeah. So like is that taken. that data is like stored on your phone, right? And so like if like you're like technical enough, you can go in and figure out what's happening. But most people will say, well, most of the services will say, but that's all encrypted and it's on your device. And so they're saying that, like, but with a certain amount of technical expertise, someone could get into that. Yeah, so it also, encrypted also depends on the ecosystem. iOS is very locked down, and it's very hard unless you've, like, jailbroken your phone. And jailbreaking is just essentially using some some code to get root access. Mm-hmm. Uh, root access is just, like, administrator privileges. Mm-hmm. Uh, Android is, like, more open, and, like, a lot of stuff is surprisingly unencrypted. You just have to be able to locate the appropriate database, and, like, you'd be... So here's, here's a good question. Do either, do any of you use Android devices? I use iOS. I, I, I was a big Android fan. Until you learned all these things? <laughs> uh, no, um, I came to America three years ago for the first time, and everyone used iPhones, and all my friends were on an iMessages chat, and like, oh, yeah. when it used to you were, on, You were the green bubble. You were, yeah. oh. <laughs> then, no. like, every message would just come separately, and I was like, this is annoying, so when my Android phone died, I was like, it's time to search to, while I'm here, might as well go. Yeah, well, now there's another benefit, too. Well, now, yeah, there's another benefit. If it's, if it's locked down a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so, do, do, I mean, I, I think... I think Apple iPhone users or iOS users always think that they, they buy the line hook, line, sinker, that's a much more secure device. But you're objectively saying that the software is much more secure? Because for the most mobile. part, because Apple... Yeah. Um, for mobile. Yeah, because Apple is like a locked ecosystem, whereas like Android is open source. Mm-hmm. So like they leave a lot more stuff open for developers to like use and like develop apps. Mm-hmm. While like Apple likes to maintain control of right. like... So, yeah. As a result of so that, like more possibilities inherent, yeah. for cracks or yeah. ways to get in. Yeah. Just huh. from our education, yeah. Huh. Yep. Crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I was just saying the more you know. Yeah, the more the, more you, the little banners <laughs> came across. Um, now, not remind me of the majors again. You did chemical engineering, I'm sustainable energy? Engineering, Kate, yeah. what was it? I'm computer science. Computer science? Computer science. Computer science. Well. And so, um, had all of you always been interested in cybersecurity or always been interested in this at all? You're shaking your head. Yeah. Uh, for me, no. Um, I was a chemi student in, like, sophomore year. I had two units. You, well, you still are, technically, right? <laughs> yeah, I am a chemi student. Okay. <laughs> I am, sorry, I still am. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm already ready for graduation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had two free units, and I was like, this is already being paid for. Why not make use of the yeah. 17th and 18th units? Yeah. Uh, I saw ITP-125 on the schedule. ITP-125 is Introduction to Information Security. Mm-hmm. I took it, and it was fantastic, and I wasn't going to take it because engineering is hard as it is. Uh, but then the professor was like, I'm going to see you next year because he also teaches the next class, mm-hmm. which is ITP-375. And this is Greenfield? Yeah. This is Joe? Oh, professor yeah. Joseph. Fantastic professor, you know. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, no, I'm no way coming back like I don't have time for this he's like you're coming back and then I was like okay and when I was registering I was just like fine I'll register and like I can always drop it because like there's a drop deadline if I don't have time and it turned out to be so enjoyable I just like stuck with the minor that's cool yeah 
Um, I actually have Freshman Engineering Academy to thank. Oh, really? I had Joe Greenfield as, as your um, academy teacher? As my academy teacher. Oh. And of course, on day one, he's like, if you're interested in security or forensics at all, like, talk to me about it. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. But my, I'm a little timid. Kate Livingston as a freshman went up there. And I was like, hey, I'm interested in learning just what it is. And he's like, stop by my office, bring any questions you have, and brought a whole list of questions. He answered all of them for me. Uh, he's like, take 125, and I fell in love with forensics after that. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, for me, it was definitely something in high school that I kind of kept in the back of my mind, knowing that I wanted to go into uh, computer science. I was like, well, you know, computer security always seems cool. And then I remember uh, when I came here freshman year during Welcome Week, they had the micro-seminars, mm -hmm. where it was like a professor will like, teach like an hour-long lecture like twice. And uh, I actually went to one of the security professors. He did one. And so I went to that for two days, and afterwards I was like, wow, this is awesome. I, I got to take a class when I can. First semester I couldn't, but then second semester... I had two extra units, so I jumped into one of the 125 sections with actually a professor that taught the micro-seminar. And, uh, yeah, since then I just fell in love with it. That's great. That's really cool. And and where do you see this all going for you all professionally? Or is it? Or is it just something you just enjoy right now? So for me, I'm a senior, and actually all the jobs, and I'm still also considering grad school, so I've been applying to internships and full-time. They're all related to, like, digital forensics just because mm -hmm. I really? love it. And it's, and it's such a burgeoning. It's like the field is growing so fast because, like, you, you hear of breaches every day, like a credit agency just had one. Equifax just happened. Yeah, yeah, Equifax just happened. And so it's definitely growing. Um, there's like, apparently there's a statistic that by 2025, there's going to be like 285,000 cybersecurity jobs unfilled, just like in the U.S. Wow. And so I feel like it's a, it's a field where like you could be young and someone could be old, but you're just going to be learning along together because it's, mm -hmm. it's new stuff. So I feel like that's a really big advantage in the field. Like there's no time to sit around you're just like learning all the time so that's what's also interesting to me cool yeah i'm definitely going to be pursuing forensics as a career oh, i'm yeah. currently looking at internships in in forensics specifically um i just i find it amazing how much you can learn and how you'll never stop learning in this field and i get i get a kick out of that it's fun that's fun what companies are you looking at um i'm looking at uh, any of the big four uh crowdstrike uh Let's see, Strauss Freeberg, um, Union Bank, other companies. There's Sony. Oh, for those, it's like a lot of people don't know what the big four are, so that's like the traditional yeah. accounting firms, EY. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. there's a big okay. four in every, uh, yeah. <laughs> every field. Ernst and Young, KPMG. But like so it's the lot, same accounting firms. Yeah, but a lot of, and Deloitte, and a lot of people don't know that like these firms, like t accounting was like what they traditionally do, but they do a lot of advisory services and risk services. Yeah. yeah. And that's where cyber Technical consulting yeah, as well. Yeah. come in. So yeah, those four uh, firms are like the leaders in cyber risk consulting. I didn't know that. Interesting. Well, yeah. I didn't even know those that are, at all. The, yeah. Those four yeah. firms are the leaders. In I totally thought it was like the big four. CrowdStrike? I'm like, wow, I have no idea what the big four are. <laughs> yeah. But you're saying the big four and then yeah. these yeah. others. I, okay, yeah. great, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And they love USC students as well. So. Yeah, well, they're here recruiting nonstop. Yeah. That's cool. And Cameron, what do you think, Bowie? Yeah, no, so I actually was lucky enough. I already got a chance to intern with an uh, internal security for a company, and it's definitely something that I'm pursuing as well. This K re internal recruiting cycle is going on right now, so yeah. I've been busy with all that. But, yeah, definitely something I want to do in the future. Because there's, there's internal teams of companies, then mm -hmm. there's the external kind of consultants, which are these other areas, yeah. right? Um, and then there's also the government side as well, right? Yeah. I mean, because when you're talking about all these jobs, it's because you've got layers across a number of different industries with a number of different problems, whether it be uh, financial, uh, government support, defense, um, it seems like uh, police forces and everything else, and not to mention these private ideas of 
securing one another or figuring out each other. Hey everyone, this is Paul. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know about a new feature we just unlocked. It's about sending us questions or comments via text. If you go to your podcast player, check the show notes. There's a link there that says, send us a question or comment. It may be on our next episode. So go in there, send us a little quick text message. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your comments are. We'd love to hear from you. So we can't wait to see it. Now back to the episode. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely spans all industries, and there's just so many ways. There's the internal teams, consulting teams that will come in, government, and then security as a service. Uh, so many big startups are building security products these days, too. So people who have more of a software development background but have a small interest in security can go into that as well. Also, all the three-letter agencies have, like, cyber security programs because it's just, like, it's critical, like, I think... Three-letter, but meaning CIA, CIA FBI. Oh, okay. <laughs> Department of Homeland Security. You notice how they yeah. keep talking in yeah. code? <laughs> it's a cybersecurity thing. Every, 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 every answer has been in code till we say, stop, yeah. hold on, let's look at that out. Yeah. Do you realize you talk in code? Um, <laughs> I just want to roll around each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they also have, like, cyber programs. Their recruiting process is obviously very different. You have to go through background checks. Do you know anything about it, like about working in that industry, or is that of interest to you? I'm international, so I'm Oh, yes, you, you, can't, you can't. I personally haven't looked too much into it. I know that the recruitment process is pretty strenuous and yeah. with the background checks and everything. It's a long yeah. process. Yeah, no, I, I have a friend who works for a defense contractor but um, in their cybersecurity, but the, as for those three-letter agencies itself, it's uh, it's not something I'm super interested in. It's a really long process to even to get an internship. I think you have to apply over a year in advance. I have heard that. Just because yeah. of how long the background check takes. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a it, it's super cool job, but um, long process. Yeah, but we also have friends who've like done it. So like it is a yeah. thing. A few, it, it just depends on personal preference if you want to go into government or like the private sector. Hmm. So it's yeah. personal preference. And how do you feel uh, as a chemical engineer? Um, going into industry that some would say you need a computer science degree to go into. That is totally a false assumption because first of all, the best people that have come out of like the minors like have been like psychology majors, sociology majors, mm-hmm. econ majors. IR is a big one. IR is a big yeah. one. And USC's ITP program is just fantastic. Like college can sometimes not keep up to pace with like what industry wants because mm-hmm. it's just like there's administrative work to like update yeah. curriculums but usc's itp program has like the itp advisory board which is just like people who work right now and who like advise the professors on like what to teach and stuff mm-hmm. and so it's actually implemented so like you're what you're learning is absolutely like relevant in industry now and so even being a chemi major and just like saying i've taken these itp classes and being able to get certified uh, has helped me a lot in recruiting. Like they've ne- like once they've like seen my classes and like I've gotten my certification as a result of these classes, they like just like move on and like ask you about yourself and don't even think about that you're a chemi. <laughs> but being an engineering major at the same time helps because like everyone's like technical math skills like STEM is big, mm-hmm. so it definitely helps. But like I don't think being a chemi has like helped. It definitely helps, but like the ITP has definitely ITP classes have definitely helped me more because you're going into that specific yeah, chosen like getting field. Interviews like yeah. And as someone who is a computer science major, I would say it's surprising how little security we actually learn about. Yeah. Um, I th- think outside of writing a few small programs here and there within security, I've used very little computer science like in the actual security program. Uh, and in industry, like it, it does help a little bit. 
But being in the security program gives you such a leg up over someone who's just straight computer science background. Mm -hmm. Because you already know the jargon going into it, you know? And that is, it honestly is such an advantage when executives are just spitting out these words and you know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. Plus, yeah. there's so many open jobs and it's ever increasing the number of jobs that are available that they're desperate for people who know at least a little bit of what they're talking mm -hmm. about. So they'll take, I mean, they'll take a, I mean, they have to be qualified in some regard. Right. But, I mean, being in this program is really helping us get a, a foot in the door. But so you two don't think that you're going to be writing software necessarily? No. So yeah. what? So then what is it that you do? So if you uh, can explain, right, you know what yeah, I mean? No, yeah. So definitely. It, I mean, it depends on within the security companies. They have so many different sectors. There's a lot of uh, going in and looking at uh, network diagrams and talking to the actual security employees there and uh, just figuring out where they have gaps in their systems, knowing different ways of how attackers can get in and being like, hey, have you guys accounted for this? So just general advisory on how to do that. Um, also being hired to do penetration tests, which is when companies hire you to try to hack their systems. Mm -hmm. there, that, that would probably be the most technical uh, job that you could have, but even then you'd really be using a lot of tools that are pre-written and it's more okay. of knowing how to use the tools and how those tools work and what they're doing. So who's writing those tools? Those are the uh, yes. security vendors, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the, that's, that is a d definitely a separate side, but that's kind of where you get into the gray area of security and software development. Right, because it's software development for security purposes. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you could totally be Cameron and be a CS major and like go be be a software developer for, yeah. for security. Right. Yeah, I so could, but then, yeah. but then, it, then someone might not consider you yeah. like to be a in the security industry. Yeah, you know, they mm -hmm. they might consider you more to be a software developer yeah. okay. than a cybersecurity specialist. Yeah, and on on yeah. the flip side, the non technical stuff like cyber is also like you have to consider there's like cyber risk and strategy, which is like suppose USC wants to like protect yeah. its data, right? It has yeah. to hire someone who knows what they're saying and knows what laws apply and stuff. Right. So it's like you could totally be a technical major and go into like the strategy and like governance part where you're like, you need to know how the laws work, how to protect data, what what's cloud services and what services are good and bad and like advise people on how to go about that. Right? Sure. So it's like, it can be completely non-technical as well. Which is why a lot of this resides in the consulting industry. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. it, that's exactly what consulting is. If you take security out of it, that it's understanding yeah. the technical and yeah. understanding the application yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what uh, wh what do you think is the or, or what has been the the kind of the coolest thing you've learned uh, so far, either in your education or in your, your like internship or experiences or anything else that you like, just something that was like super cool or super scary, considering that cybersecurity usually has scary things involved. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I can definitely, one of the things that, uh, one of the things you learn very early in the 125, the intro to information security, is, uh, I want to say, this week seven, they teach you basically how to hack into any Windows XP box. Any computer that runs yeah. Windows XP is extremely easy to hack, as long as you just have the IP address. Uh, with, within five minutes, you could get in. <laughs> and then going into industry and realizing, that, wow, there are a lot of people that still use Windows XP. For My research lab still uses Windows yeah. XP. So it's, <laughs> it's really crazy to think about how these computers that are just extremely outdated are still so in use yeah. and so vulnerable. It's like every ATM. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the coolest thing has been, so we did this one lab where you like, 
have to research some person and guess their like security questions that everyone has security questions like where were they born your childhood best friend first street you lived on and everyone uses social media now and like if someone were to like target you specifically it would be no i wouldn't say super easy but if you knew what you were doing you would be able to figure out where this person's first street was or their best friend is just by like by going over glossing over their social media profiles and stuff and guessing a password reset we didn't go to the password reset part, but, like, we got to, like, being able to answer those questions. Hmm. So, wow. yeah, that was the most... I never thought of, like, using the internet in that way, but it was yeah. fantastic. It was, like, it's not a good thing to know, but, like, just knowing, like, people put out information without thinking. Yeah. And, like, most people don't have not even Google themselves online. And, like, once you Google yourself, you'll realize there's so much information about you out there that you have no clue. Like, back in, like, when I was in middle school, people used MySpace and High Five. And, like, I think three months ago I Googled myself. My High Five profile is still, like, on, like, page nine of, like, <laughs> Google search. And I was like, oh, I need to close this down. Wow. So, yeah, so yeah. y'all should Google yourselves. And <laughs> <laughs> but, no, like, that type of stuff, it's called uh, open source intelligence. So just mm-hmm. anything you can Google that's publicly available yeah. is becoming just huge in the information security field because companies and people are starting to realize that the biggest risk often isn't your systems. It's the, the people people's. working there. Yeah. Because not not everyone in your marketing department is going to know what best security practices are mm-hmm. because they haven't been trained. Yeah. So that just be, that honestly becomes one of the biggest vulnerabilities within a company sometimes. Like, give me an example. Uh, so uh, say you are working in like HR. How, like, how, yeah, how can an yeah. HR marketing person be the security? Yeah, person? and you, you or go ahead. Yeah. So, okay, so this is one case that we've heard about that this company shared with us. So. Uh, this company was doing penetration testing on another company. So penetration testing is like fi- finding vulnerabilities in a company to see like how the bad people would like get into your systems. So this company was a law firm. And so the law firm was looking for someone to like be a, someone as a director, right? So this penetration company uh, made out a resume of like this really good person would like graduate from really good universities with really good experiences and embedded malware into the dot. PDF file really? and just like submitted it on their application portal, right? And three days later, someone opened up the file and like they had access to their system, right? By so, attaching malware inside yeah, of so the PDF. Yeah, so once they opened the PDF, the malware ran and gave them access to that computer. So that's one great example that I love. Oh my gosh! Like, wow. You wouldn't because like most people don't think twice when they like open a PDF. Yeah. So what are what are companies doing to prevent that type of penetration? Yeah, so there is, like, some preventive software that can detect it, but even a lot of times it happens with Word documents, too. Like, if you ever get a Word document that says, oh, like, if, you, if someone wrote a macro into it or something and you have to enable content, mm-hmm. um, you users just enable it because they don't, yeah, they don't know. Yeah, they just think, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, is, that, is that true? Is that warning true also with the PDF, or the PDF would run that? Well, yeah, the PDF, you wouldn't even know because it was embedded. you just open it, and you'd be seeing the resume. The resume. Like, the yeah. malware was running in the and, background. Wow. And sometimes yeah. in Reader, actually, we I ended up just, just doing a lab on this. In Adobe Reader, you can change the warning message that pops up. They allow The, the Adobe actually allows you to go in and change the, the warning message, yeah. So you can... Edit it and say the author oh, can suppress. The author can suppress it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not even yeah suppress it or just say oh you need to click OK here to yeah. mm-hmm. to open this. So then they're like okay and they click OK. But really what that was supposed to be was a warning saying do you want to run this yeah. script that's yeah. embedded? Wow. Yeah. So that's why you have like antivirus software and there yeah. are like more firms who do like proactive like they scan every file like with USC emails like if you send if yeah. you, it, all attachments are scanned by like a vendor. Yeah. So that's obviously like one. It's not always a hundred percent like 
safer, but that's one way, one way of safeguarding it. Right. Another way is just, like, being cognizant of, like, what you're clicking on, just, like, hovering over it. Even, like, emails with malicious links, just hovering over the link. Like, is it taking me to, like, Amazon.com or, like, Amazon.com? So, right. Like, like, people use, like, that simple stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just being, like, self-aware. And then there's just not following best practices. Yeah. Like, there's companies, another way that people commonly used to get in is uh, the Golden parking lot was just, like, 10, 15 USB drives and just scatter it around the parking lot. And people, uh, what's this USB drive? And they'll go and plug it into their computers. Yeah. And wow. suddenly, you just infected your whole network. Wow. So, yeah, it's a lot of simple stuff like that that companies just don't train people in. Mm-hmm. That and Yeah, so uh, a nation state um, was trying to, like, do subversive activities against another nation state. So what they did was they, like, put this USB drive in the parking lot of a power plant so the operator picked it up and like plugged it into their computer and so when they did that this nation state got access to that power plant oh jeez they were able to shut it wow oh my shut gosh. down and steal like secrets and oh my god this was like pretty like it was in the news but i just like don't want to name countries but yeah okay <laughs> it sounds like really simple so things that people right. should be aware of yeah. and that's why i would argue that education is the most important factor of preventing the majority of these cases yeah definitely I mean, I, I'm always just thinking of, like, random emails that you get. And you, you, you get used to looking for them, like the, the misspelled yeah. name or mm-hmm. it looks like it's coming from Apple, but it's really coming from apple at support.com yeah. or something yeah. like that, yeah. some sort yeah. of weird thing like that. Yeah. But even, like, I've noticed a couple of emails I've gotten lately where I was like, oh, that was a good one. I almost clicked on something. Like, it's, it's just really, really interesting. And then I think of, like, my dad who clicks on everything. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden we have to throw away things because it's like okay you can't have anything yeah and a lot of times those ones that are poorly spelled and like obviously fake they're done on purpose because yeah they don't want to waste their time targeting smart people yeah, yeah. so they purposely make them really obvious so that only the people that they're clicking on they'll know they'll be able to make a quick buck off of and what what do you think so what does that mean does that mean that that per- they're gambling that that person has doesn't have like antivirus software or anything like that or what yeah well um yeah so a lot of them will like Say, click this link, and then it'll send them somewhere saying, oh, you have a virus on your computer. Like, enter, like, this personal information in order to get it. Or they'll say, like, oh, you have to click here to enable us to remotely remove this information from your computer. And, like, there's no antivirus to prevent you giving someone else remote access to your computer. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty common phishing scam that goes around. But yeah. I mean, what are some of the, so phishing is always used a lot, and then there's a, there's a couple other terms that are always used. Social we, engineering to so, get your information and then like use yeah. that to like log into your account. Well, yeah. let's 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 start with phishing. Let's like define yeah. phishing. Yeah. Like, what is what does yeah. phishing mean? Explain what phishing is. Phishing is when you typically target a sing, a single person, or spear phishing is like when the person that's is the other term really high. It's like really high up, like a CEO would be mm-hmm. a spear. That's spear phishing. Um, phishing could be just any individual that you're just trying to get any sort of information out of. It could mm-hmm. be bank account information, for example, or it could be like, as Ima had mentioned earlier, the security question answers, like, what's your mother's maiden name or what was your first pet name in order to get past those security credentials. Hmm. So spear phishing is just going after a more of a high profile yes. person. Yes, high yeah. profile. Yeah. 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 Or spear phishing, there's another one. Whaling. Whaling? <laughs> so, a little bit bigger, bigger than a fish. So Got it. They'll use that term, too. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. And then social engineering. Wait, you, 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 you use social engineering in fishing? or Because social engineering is a broader term right. of just yeah. understanding social how to... Social engineering is just a way of getting information or, like, doing something to get you to do. So, like, you clicking on a link that isn't actually what it is is also social engineering. 
you like suppose you're getting drinks with someone you don't know and like they want some information for you and like they ask you and right. because you're not in the right state you like tell them that information and right even, that's social an example of got it social engineering hmm. yeah social engineering is a broader term yeah. that's used with in a bunch of these attacks yeah hmm. are there any other terms that i think have been used like in the media lately Ransomware is a big one. Ransomware, thank you. Yes, that's been coming up a lot lately. So ransomware is uh, a virus that goes to someone's computer that encrypts all their files and essentially locks them out and displays a message that says, hey, pay a certain amount of Bitcoin to this address to get your information unlocked. So it essentially takes all the information on your computer and holds it for ransom. Mm -hmm. And uh, they spread throughout a network. Mm -hmm. So for an individual, you might have one or two computers that get ransomware, and that's terrible. But for a company where everything's interconnected, mm -hmm. you could walk in one morning and have thousands of computers with this ransomware on it. Wow. So, and paying the ransom, sometimes it works, yeah. but that's that's never a guarantee. Yeah. So it really just, especially for big companies, and even like individuals like us, it forces the idea of keeping backups of everything you own so that you uh -huh. can restore the stuff that you would lose in that type of attack. Wow, yeah. interesting. Ransomware, phishing, spear phishing, whaling. Yeah. There's so many terms that are out there. That I want to get them all, yeah. all, all settled. Um, I don't know. What else? I mean, you guys are talking a lot about best practices. What kind of best practices have you picked up along the way um, in your classes and stuff that you would give to lay people like us? Like, I'm learning so much from this because I have no idea about cybersecurity. So stuff I've learned, use really long passwords. Um, okay. It could be, like, the first two lines of, like, your favorite song and just, like, change the <laughs> A's to fours and, like, change your O's to hashes. Just something you can remember easily. But you also know, like, you're changing yeah. stuff that people aren't going to be guessing. One other tactic I use, like, for all my security questions, I just give the wrong answers. Like, if it's, like, if it's like, mm -hmm. what is yeah. my favorite animal? Like, it's completely different to that. But like, only I know what that answer could be, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so like, like, you know where your security question is, and yeah. you know your answer, right? But it's like you're not letting someone guess it because like it's nothing related to the question. Because it's right? not true. Yeah. Right. It's so like, like app, yeah. for for example, like, oh, what was the uh, make of the first car you owned? And yeah. The answer is monkey. Yeah. Like, so yeah. you just keep that in your head. So that every time you have that security question, that's what you answer. But if someone were to try and guess that, they would never There's guess no way. that because that's yeah. not yeah. what it's asking. Yeah. But so just kind of using that misdirection. Yeah, always updating your software uh -huh. is a good way to just like be updated. Have antivirus installed. And a lot of people don't have it. It's like not always 100% effective. Yeah. But it's a good. And multiple different layers of it too. Yeah. Do yeah. What like does that mean? Two different companies. Like oh really? Do one yeah. uh, antivirus software and then do a completely different company's yeah, antivirus that's, software. That's been the news a little bit. Uh, with Kaspersky, uh, it's a big antivirus company uh, yeah. out of Russia, and they've just there's, they've been banned I think from all U.S. computers because <laughs> of allegedly technical, but yeah, they yeah, have, yeah, sending information back to Russia. But um, yeah, so Kaspersky software generally is really bad mm -hmm. at catching Russian viruses. Yeah. Uh, Symantec, which is owned by China, or yeah, a company Chinese in China. company. Uh, they're really bad at catching Chinese viruses. Really? Yeah. But the um, thing with that also must be understood is like a lot of it also is like a bit politicized. Like, uh -huh. yeah, it's like you have to like read the news and filter it for yourself. Like, you know, is it really yeah. doing what it is? But like, yeah, what he's saying, yeah, there have been instances where they have like not been able to catch viruses. Viruses from the original. They weren't necessarily as, as up to date. Yeah, as but also, other. like, a lot of it is, like, highly politicized in this time mm -hmm. where they're like, don't use them because it comes from that one country. Right. So it's just, like, also to be cognizant of that as well. Mm -hmm. So are there uh, recommended 
you've given me the ones that we shouldn't right. use. But yeah. So USC uses Sophos, which actually yeah. really, definitely one of the best ones. Uh, I was going to ask. From, yeah, no, <laughs> that's it's, good it's to know. From the UK, so yeah. hopefully we don't have any. Unless we piss them off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's definitely one of the big ones. Yeah. I actually use Casper Scan and Semantic because, like, traditionally they've been the best ones. Yeah. And like, I still doubt what the, what's been saying out there is like I I take it with a grain of salt. Okay. So especially, I, especially if you like double layer like that yeah. that mm-hmm. always have two especially with antiviruses is better than one okay because they'll overlap and just the thing with like they're like i never thought about antivirus products yeah. out there and like not one of them would have a hundred percent hit rate. that makes it makes complete sense yeah, yeah. so like you can't yeah. have like 300 the best is to like to use like one or two right like hope they just work. overlap yeah, yeah overlap. i never thought about the originating country of them i never yeah. mm-hmm. it just never occurred to me yeah, yeah. that's that's been something okay especially that's a good tip yeah. good safety yeah. tip Use a different password for everything. A different password for everything. That's that's something that I, I should have picked up, but haven't because that is a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of work. You go backwards, yeah. right? You got to go like, oh, I got to go back and set reset all those. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about some of these services that do that for you, like One Password or Dashlane yeah, or even well, Safari? Pass, I think yeah, that's great. Yeah. But like, imagine if like someone got that One Password that like encrypts all those other mm-hmm. passwords. Oh, like I don't use a password manager because like, I just think the idea is stupid because like you're putting all your passwords in one thing and if like mm-hmm. someone gets that gets one the master password, key then you're yeah screwed. like yeah. you're yeah. just everything's gone so yeah yeah and it, it definitely can be useful yeah but if say I so I mean I work I have a few different computers that I use like I have a laptop I take to class and then I have a like desktop that I use yeah. Room. yeah. So the password manager is stored locally on your computer. Right. So you have to be using that computer to use it. So yeah. I'm not going to remember the giant randomly generated password for one of my other accounts when I have to log in from a different computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely pros and cons yeah. to using it. Yeah. I, it's preference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like the Safari one, for example, that's that's in the cloud. That's linked. Yeah, the one that Safari uses to remember all, yeah. all them. Yeah, so that, like, the built-in ones to, like, Chrome and Safari. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, those are fantastic. Those, those but I, but I it's still just one key, though. But imagine, so let's yeah. go back to, like, so Chrome or Safari. Someone gets your Apple ID password, right? Yeah. Right. And so when you forget your password and you go to your password manager and you click show password, it asks you for your, the, the password for your account. Right. To show you that password, right? Yeah. So in that sense, if someone were to get But it, if your actual computer password is different than your Apple ID password. But it's in the cloud. So if someone could like log into Safari on another computer and put uh, it in yeah. and like the wow, password, they would yeah. all be there. Because like, suppose yeah. like you use Google Drive on your this computer and your home you have another one, right? And you're logged into both, right? It's syncing both ways. It's not like a, it's not like this computer is just syncing that way and everything you do there just gets lost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It both ways. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> password management is always tricky because there's always going to be Oh well, maybe you should do this, but then there's there's pros and cons to every single thing you do. Yeah. So I, as long as I would say your passwords are long and secure. And they're not just sitting in the notes section of your iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's probably yeah. Good. Yeah. Also, like there are also other safeguards. Like the company I worked at this past summer, we had to use like a USB sort of dongle, oh, like yeah, as yeah, a second yeah. factor of verification. Because like the they du- have, yeah. yeah. We started That's using Duo. So, yeah. Duo is like an app. Duo is an app that USC uses. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to go more high level, you have like second level, which is like mm-hmm. you have to plug in your USB right. to prove you're there and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's always those Definitely, safeguards. Whenever possible, I always enable two-factor authentication. Yeah. yeah. Just because so it it's like a, another level of security. Like when you get the text message mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, you have to enter this app or, or Duo," like yeah. you're saying, it that provides so it increases the security yeah. by tenfold. It's yeah. so important. Right, but then there's that layer of like, oh, I gotta go do this and I gotta go do yeah. that. 
Yeah, but yeah. I, I would say for for me at least that it's it's minimal. Just mm-hmm. having it, to check it's that. it's like worth it. Like every day I'll go back home and then like I'll put my phone on charge and I'll go like take out my laptop and go to the living room and open and log into my USC and they'll be like, oh, go press accept on Duo and then it's just like. You're either being lazy or you need to walk to the room and press accept. Like, you feel lazy at times doing that, but, like, it's worth it. And That's why you need the Apple Watch. <laughs> because, because exactly. seriously, because, like, the Duo on Apple Watch is, like, the coolest app ever. Because I, cause I, go, put my, I go put my phone in my bedroom, and then I'm on my laptop in, you know, in another room altogether. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm just right off and running, so I don't need to go. I'm, I'm, I'm within 30 feet. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no. And, I mean, you hear if someone gets access to your email... You hear all the time stories about, like, oh, yeah, someone got into my email, and from there they just got every single one of my accounts. Yeah. Because all your password resets are set to your email. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you click reset password, it sends you an email. And if you don't have uh, two-factor authentication, at least on your email to protect against that, and you have no notice when someone gets in. Because at least then I can say, oh, wow, I didn't try and log on to my email, and someone else did, so I should probably go change my password now. Yeah. Because that means my password's probably out there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about spoofing? What about it? Like, yeah. So, spoof, well, spoofing's uh, just kind of another one. That's a very general term. It just depends on what you're spoofing. If you're spoofing, I, like your IP address, so like your computer's mm-hmm. like kind of identifier, um, you, it, that's definitely something that's pretty difficult to do. But it's it's doable. Spoofing emails, uh, Gmail, and other things. I've gotten pretty good at catching those. Okay. Because um, I literally this morning received one from myself. Really? Yeah, you can do that. There are websites that you can go into and like yeah. say you're sending from this email address because yeah. mm-hmm. like that's like how it's like yeah. visually distributing it to yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. But like you can obviously like there's this thing called an email header like on mm-hmm. Gmail. There's like the small yellow arrow next to like your mm-hmm. email. Like mm-hmm. it tells you where it's coming from. And like if you're that invested in security, you can like click on it and it'll tell you where it's coming from. It's obviously, if it's like coming from like a .tk or a .ru domain, like you're gonna be suspicious, right? Right. But like yeah, email spoofing is like possible. Like. I've done it to prank my friends, so it's yeah. like it's it's a very like if you know what website to go to, it's pretty. Yeah, that's the thing with email spoofing, and that's why they say when you do get an email, you should never click on a link in the email. Yeah. You should you should type it in. Yeah, yeah just so you know. Because what it is. yeah, the email spoofing is like it, it's hard to prevent against, but mm-hmm. as long as you're not actually going to the link in it or downloading a file attached to it, you should be fine. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, because even links can look like they're another link, but they're actually going somewhere else because right. that's yeah. just the text that's representing the link behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's why you yeah. should try. A lot of people don't understand that's how that actually works. Like hover over the hyperlink and see. Yeah. And show you where it's going. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Um, well, okay, we were going over best practices, though. That was, yeah. I, I kind of sabotaged that. So we, we talked about passwords, and we talked about yeah. antivirus security. What were the Never other clicking ones? Never clicking links in email. Never click. That's a good one. Educate yourself. Mm-hmm. On, yeah. like I'm gonna just go open up the internet and read. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, try and I mean, security is so in the news nowadays, mm-hmm. and you can learn so much from just like you see how companies get hacked, and a lot of times. It, well, it is some basic yeah. Stuff. So my point on educating yourself, which is a yeah. great point, but like on on well, like on what because well, like there's so there's so many things that I think people go. They're, they're, what's the line between educating yourself and being paranoid? 
I think it's all what we just talked about, right? Like mm-hmm. looking at links you've clicked on, having passwords that are not password one, two, three, four. Like yeah. people still do so that. So I'm supposed to change that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> even just understanding what the key phrases were, like we went over. Like if you are looking at a news article and you're concerned about what phishing is, just do a simple Google search on what phishing is and how you can protect yourself. Yeah. And phishing is P H I, right? Mm-hmm. So people are like, yes. "What is phishing?" phishing. Like, it just looks like I don't know. Like, there's a lure, and there's like these there's fish. <laughs> because I mean, there's so many things out there where like people are they go in a number of different directions. They either don't want anything to do with technology, or they're way too scared to do anything. So like, they won't ever like save a password or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like they they worry that the minute you start. I can only, again, think of my dad. Um, hopefully he's not listening. Um, where where it'll, like, use, uh, like, what's your password? It's like, well, I'm not giving them my password. I'm like, no, you're, you're logging in. <laughs> like, you have to log in. Because it's just he didn't understand yeah, right. what was supposed to happen or, like, what he's, what he's actually logging into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, my wife, for example, you know, has got, like, all the tape over the camera and... <laughs> All these other things, which I understand is a, is an actual threat, but like there's a point to me where I'm like, okay, well, you're either going to like live and use stuff or not, and I don't know where that line is. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely like that's something that you have to figure out yourself. I think because everyone has their own opinion of how far is too far. I have friends mm-hmm. who in security programs and in professional security field who only message me through a secure messaging app with end-to-end encryption that keeps no metadata. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely a personal thing what you think is secure enough for you. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Because a lot of these things come from new conveniences, like uh-huh. GPS and cars, or text messaging, or all this other stuff. Like, yeah. I think for the average person, it's more like being cognizant of, like, what you're doing online. Like, a lot of people post on social media, and, like, on Facebook, by default, it's public now. They don't know. Like, yeah. a lot of people don't know it. They post stuff like that they sh- like they don't want to be. Mm-hmm. So with respect to your own online personal identity, just knowing you have good privacy settings on your social media, mm-hmm. like all the common sites we use, like Amazon, Walmart, like your shopping, they all support two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. So set those up, uh, the long passwords. I think unless like you're like some important, like a super super important person, like no one's gonna come attack you, like just like right. out of nowhere, right? Right. So it's just like common best practices that are right. Like, Common sense, like we talked about too. Right. And, right. And I think one way for evaluating like what is your like personal, like this is how secure I want to be and how paranoid I want to be is just a lot of people have this assumption of privacy and assume that things they put places won't be publicly accessible. But mm-hmm. so I think the best thing to do is just assume that everything you do with a computer can be seen by everyone. And if you're like, you know, I don't want people to right. be able to see that, go look up how to secure that section right. of what yeah. you're doing. So I have another, when a couple of years back, USC changed to passphrases, which is like super long passwords, right? And they're, they're educating staff on creating passphrases, which is, you know, like coming up with these long yeah. strings, like you mentioned, uh, the lyrics, lyrics. lyrics. the word, yeah. Change something that that's a good idea. Right. And that's great. And I came, I, it was annoying at first to me because I had my sets of passwords that I used. And then I'm like, okay, great. Now I know what I want to do. And I came up with a new one and that I want to use for that. And I kind of, now I've got like these ideas of phrases that I can yeah. use. Same, similar idea. But I won't tell you what it is. Um, <laughs> although I think it's super creative. But anyway, um, like I, I want to tell everybody because I came up with this like internal code for yeah. me to remember. That's ver- what you should do, yeah. yeah, you come up with this because in- I read this one article about like come up with your own internal version of ways in which you'll remember versions of 
phrases yeah. or something. Uh-huh. I'd never heard the song one before. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I came up with my own, and I love it. Um, and it, it uh, my point, oh, is, but not every site has switched to longer password availability. And so some wanted to be a certain amount of characters, but with special characters. And so I'm like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? Because I came up with this really long one. And now I got to come up with a shorter version, but it's got to have numbers and exclamation points and some sort of like something. That's on the security team of those companies. So also like when when you're using longer passwords and like you're a company that has like billions of users, that means that translates to more storage you need to do, and that could mean like millions of dollars more in energy costs and stuff because like mm. these passwords are stored somewhere, right? Yeah. Also, the way companies store passwords is like your password is, like, passed through a hashing algorithm, and, like, it generates a hash, and those are, like, stored on servers. So, like, even, like, for most companies, there are companies that just, like, store it in plain text. And so even if they got breached, like, no one would know your password because it's, like, an algorithm form. Right. And so that's... An encrypted password. Yeah, and it's, like, essentially encrypted. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Anything else? Anything else you guys want to talk about, about yeah. the, the group or yeah. the 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 idea of cybersecurity forensics in general? I'd say if you're at all interested, take the intro course. It's only two credits. ITPU 125? 125. Yeah. Take it. I mean, amazing professors, no matter which one you take it with, you're going to have a great experience. Just see if you like it. If you don't, you still took a really fun class. So. And mm-hmm. if you're nervous that it's too, like, it might be too technical, according to prof- the professors, the only prerequisite is knowing how to turn on a computer. Yeah. Um, if you don't know how to do that, they'll teach you. And you'll probably see you in the- <laughs> yeah. Also, if you have our Facebook group, if you like search cybersecurity okay. and forensics at USC, you'll get our page and Facebook group. Okay. For those of you who are more like professionally inclined, we have a LinkedIn group where it's like it's like current students and alumni who are working in the industry in that group. Cool. We have that as well, so you can check it. I'm sure you guys all know how to search online. So. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. This was great, guys. Thanks Thanks so much. Awesome. Very cool. And that just about wraps up this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on SoundCloud. For our prospective students out there, make sure you're checking thetribbyadmission.usc.edu for any updates on the application. And for the rest of you, keep reading our blogs and fight on. See you next week.